Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities family travel has to offer. Hey there, it's Aaron Schlein, and welcome back to Family Travel Radio, your go-to podcast for incredible destinations, amazing experiences, and life-changing family adventures. As promised, I've got part two of our All Things Norwegian Cruise episode this week. In this episode, I'm chatting with Tamara Gruber, and today Tamara is going to be sharing her family's experience aboard the Norwegian Bliss in Alaska. So I'm just going to dive right into it. You've heard enough from me already. Let's get to Tamara. Enjoy. Here at Family Travel Radio, we always appreciate hearing from the individuals behind world-class brands like Norwegian Cruise Line, but we've got to round out the conversation. We also like to hear from real people who have been there and experienced what these brands have to offer. So I am pleased to welcome back to the show Tamara Gruber. Tamara is the publisher and editor of the family travel blog, we3travel.com. And Tamara is also the host of the Family Travel Podcast, co-host, excuse me, of the Family Travel podcast, Vacation Mavens. And I've invited Tamara on the show to share her experience on the Norwegian bliss in Alaska. Tamara, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Let's do it. So set the stage for us, Tamara. Who are you traveling with and what were your expectations going in? So this cruise was last summer and it was with my family. So I have a husband and I have a daughter who at the time was 14. And it was our first family cruise together. But we knew that in order to do Alaska, especially we only had a week, the best way to kind of get that taste of Alaska was going to be with a cruise. And so I researched a lot of different options. And we came up with the Norwegian Bliss mostly because it was one of the newer ships and it definitely seemed like it had a lot of amenities for families. And then also because it went in and out of Seattle, it actually was much more affordable from an airfare perspective than trying to fly into one city and out of another or in and out of Anchorage or something like that. So it really worked for what we were looking for, for that particular vacation. Yeah. Now that's a bit of a haul for you to coming from the East coast all the way to Seattle for a cruise. You you had to, you must've really wanted it. Well, Boston to Seattle is a direct flight and JetBlue flies there and my husband's mosaic on JetBlue and we had plenty of points. And so it actually was a pretty easy decision. That's awesome. Love JetBlue. They always seem to come come through with the right route at the right time. So let's talk, let's just dive on board here, Tamara. And one thing I always am very interested in is the not just the entertainment, but the entertainment for kids. And your daughter's a little bit older my, than my kids. My kids are, are six and three. Your daughter was 14 at the time. So just your perspective with that 14-year-old daughter, what 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 did the what the ship have to to keep her entertained? Well, it's funny because I look at it and I kind of thought she was bored the whole time because all (laughs) she wanted to do was hang out in the observation deck and read and relax. And so I was worried about that. But she will actually tell you that it's one of her more favorite trips because she just really enjoyed that aspect of like being disconnected and just getting to kind of lounge around and, and read. But it's not to say that that was all that there was to do. Like, first of all, my kid is very like anti-teen club just (laughs) because I think being an only child and a little bit shy, she's not one to just jump in and join the group, uh, which is something that you kind of have to do if you're going to join a teen club. But they, you know, definitely have a kid in a teen club. The teen club had all kinds of 
you know, in and out privileges and, and they even had special events. Like you could do the laser tag unlimited one night, you know, but she just, you know, she's not a joiner. She didn't want to do it. So fine. You know, like this was her vacation too. And I wasn't going to force her, but there definitely were other fun things. Like as a family, we signed up to do their laser tag, uh, but it's something that they offer up on the top deck. And so going to Alaska, some of the activities that are offered on the boat, you know, were a little bit hit and miss because of weather. So we ended up the time we signed up for laser tag, we got there and it was closed because it was like rainy or windy. I can't really remember. So we never got to do that because it's the kind of thing that you have to reserve a time slot. And if you don't do it like the day that you get there, then it's all booked up. Um, And then we also did go-karting, which is like one, I think one of the only boats that offers go-karting actually on the ship. Um, She was an observer of that because she's not really comfortable driving, which, you know, maybe is okay. (laughs) Um, But then we did, you know, we, we went to the card room and, you know, like we're played like checkers and Scrabble and stuff like that. And I mean, there's really a lot to do. Also, if, if the weather is nice, then there's water slides and the pool and the hot tubs. But again, with Alaska, you have to realize that some of the amenities on the boat are maybe not something you're going to be able to take advantage of all the time. You were talking about your daughter not being a joiner. And for those of you who didn't hear the Mother's Day episode this year, this is Tamara's second appearance on Family Travel Radio. And you mentioned something in that previous interview that you just said here again, that your daughter is not a joiner. She's not into the the kids club. And that's making me think that she really has these very strong opinions about how she likes to travel and her preference preferences when it comes to, to travel experiences. How much is she involved or how much does she contribute to any of the content that you create, whether it's on the podcast or on the blog, just sharing her perspective? Well, she used to do a lot more when she was younger, but now that she's in high school with a very heavy academic load, she doesn't do as much. Um, she did help me this summer write up something about like uh, Disney rides for teens. And a lot of times what I'll do is just I'll ask her her opinion and I try to incorporate that. You know, I'll say like, do you think that you're too old for this, too young for this? Do you think other kids would like this? You know, I try to get her input when it comes to, you know, like the kid perspective. Yeah, that's fascinating because we can sit as parents and, and speculate all day long what we think the kids like, what seems like might be fun or enjoyable or educational, but to actually get their perspective is is really fascinating and and interesting. It sounds like your daughter has has her own thoughts and her own perspective. I love that. I'm looking forward to that as my kids get a little bit older. So, dining dining is one of my one of my favorite things about cruises, and it's. Dining has evolved and changed and expanded over over the years on on cruise ships in terms of more special specialized dining, a la carte dining. What was your what was your take on the bliss and the dining options? Well, dining is also important to us. We're definitely a foodie family, and it's been, I think, before this trip, it was something like twenty years since my last cruise. And you know, I was used to the type of thing where you're assigned a a dinner time. You sit with the same people all the time. It's all you can eat. Um, there's different buffets. There's the sit down, you know, menu, dining room, and then maybe there's like room service and pizza, you know, and some other things around. But it's like you said, it's definitely changed a lot. And one of the reasons why I picked the Norwegian Bliss also is that number one, they have more of a flexible 
dining program where you don't have to commit to eating at a certain time or with, um, you know, with the same people all the time. It's called freestyle dining. And so that was nice because when you're in a family vacation, like I kind of just want to be with them. Like I don't really need to be with other people to eat every time. So I really liked that you know, flexible type of approach. And then what they also offer is a lot of specialty dining. And so there's your standard buffet and your standard dining rooms. And then there's one like pub style type of uh, restaurant that's also included. But then any of these specialty dining are really additional, you know, additional fees. And you can either pay a la carte or you can buy some kind of plan, which allows you to go to a specialty dining restaurant you know, X number of times. So you can buy a, a three specialty dining plan or a six, you know, like whatever, if it depends on how much you want to spend and how much you want to eat beyond your, the standard dining room experience. And anything that we just shouldn't miss, should we end up on the Norwegian bliss when it comes to those specialty dining experiences? Oh yeah. We actually it was funny because we were just away and my daughter was just talking about remember that Asian restaurant that we went to? Um it's called Food Republic and it was definitely our favorite um specialty restaurant on the Norwegian Bliss. It is kind of a, a fusion of South American and Asian and it is mostly more small dish tapas style. And it's pretty affordable. So it's one of those ones where I actually have a post on my website about like where you should spend your specialty dining dollars because some some of the specialty dining experiences will get you more for your money. And uh, the Food Republic is one where you, maybe you could just go a la carte because it's not that pricey. It's interesting when thinking about how, how f- the food has changed and especially with bringing the kids on board that to hear come out... Uh, from a kid's mouth that they want to go to the South American Asian fusion restaurant. I'm, I'm hoping that that day comes for us because we're still in the, the mostly in the Mac and cheese and corn dogs phase. Yeah. I was there. Don't, don't <laughs> be discouraged. You know, there were plenty, plenty of times of me, you know, dancing around the table, trying to get my daughter to eat something besides Mac and cheese and, and chicken, but she's definitely evolved and she's quite the foodie and, and really enjoys that part of our travel. Uh, you're giving me so much hope, Tamara. I appreciate that. So talking about a la carte dining, that's just one of the the newer costs, I guess, if you want to call it that. The costs have expanded of cru- in, when it comes to cruising of a la carte, a la carte items. So talk to me about any of those, those hidden costs. What should we be on the lookout for? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's kind of permeated the travel industry. It, you know, certainly when you look at airlines, you know, for example, like we've kind of gotten used to the fact that we're probably going to have to pay for a bag. We might have to pay for a seat assignment. We may have to buy food on board, you know, so it's this like decoupling of all of the pricing. And I think that's one of the things where Norwegian, you know, has gone that route where the pricing is really attractive when you look at it. Uh, I remember when I first looked at it, I'm like, wow, I can do a week in Alaska for this. You know, I was really surprised. Um, And I still had in my head this thought of a cruise being all inclusive. Mm -hmm. And I think what you have to realize now is that a cruise is not necessarily all inclusive or it could be, (laughs) but (laughs) chances are you're going to want to add on things. And so you really need to build that into your budget. And some of them are kind of pricey. So I think that the specialty dining is kind of expected, but some of the other things, like when you just look at 
like the advertising for one of the cruise ships and you see the go-karts and the laser tag, you know, or whether it's, you know, ice skating or, you know, whatever it is, you're like, Ooh, that sounds great. And then you get on board and you realize, wow, this could be, you know, $10, $30, you know, additional, like as you add things up, it can get a little bit pricey. So I think you really have to understand which of the activities are additional and then even things like the arcade, like that was really, it was expensive and you could buy a package, but it, you could only get a package if everybody in your cabin had a package. So I couldn't buy one just for her. You know, I'd have to buy one and I couldn't buy it just for one day. Say like the day that we were at sea, I had to buy it for the entire trip if I wanted to do that. You know, so things like that, you know, kind of, I mean, frankly, it, a little bit gave me a bad taste in my mouth, but I think it was because it was just surprising to me because I don't cruise very often. Like now that I've done it, I know a little bit more what to expect. Right. I had a similar experience on, I think it was Carnival. I was with a, just a group of friends and we wanted to buy the the, the all-inclusive uh, drinks package. And e- either everyone in the cabin had to buy it or no one could buy it. There was no mixing and matching. And I just thought that was really odd. We ended up all doing it, but it was just, just seemed weird. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that bothered me about the drinks package was that you think like, okay, I have the all-inclusive drinks package. Mm-hmm. I can get you know, whatever I want, but it's really only up to a certain amount. Mm -hmm. And so my husband and I are wine drinkers. And so the wines that were under the $15 limit were sometimes not so good. And everything else was priced just above that $15 limit, you know, and then, or you could buy a bottle and you could get a discount off of the bottle. But even though the bottle contains like X number of glasses, like you couldn't divide it up that way. You still had to pay just outright for the bottle, like with a discount. So it was one of those things. I think if you are a cocktail drinker um, and drink those in quantity, then the drink package definitely worked out well for you. Um, But otherwise it's like, you really have to do the math. But I'm sure it was just a coincidence that that better glass of wine was just barely over the threshold. Yeah. That was that was an accident, oversight on the part just of the cruise so line. Just so happened to right. be, you know, sixteen or seventeen dollars. Yeah, exactly. Tamara, we really appreciate you. We don't have a whole lot of time here to, to talk. We could definitely go into a lot of detail, but I don't want to leave without talking a little bit about the destination itself. Now, you went to Alaska, and I know Alaska is not uh, unique to one cruise line. Alaska is its own thing. But tell me about the shore excursions. What did you see on on land? I mean, to us, we really prioritized this, the cruise excursions because we wanted to go not for the cruise, but we wanted to go to Alaska, you know, like that was our driving force. And so uh, we did a a bunch of different things. One of them was uh, kayaking, like sea kayaking. And we saw some seals and some other things. And then once we did a float plane out to a place where you can uh, do some bear watching, it's always been my husband's dream to do a float plane ever since, you know, Fantasy Island back in I don't know, the 80s. And um, and then the other thing, oh, we did a, a train ride where then we hopped off the train and did like a three or four hour hike and then like came back and then like picked back up on the train and went back into port. So we were active. You know, we wanted to see wildlife. We wanted to experience as much as we could. Um, I think the thing that people need to understand when they're looking at uh, an Alaskan cruise itinerary is that different ships are in port for different lengths of time. And so you should probably take a look at that because, you know, if you have to leave by two, you're only fitting in one shorter activity, you know, and that's definitely one of the disadvantages of the cruises that um, 
go from Seattle because they have a little bit less time. And also the ones that are a round trip versus a one-way because they can just spend a little bit less time in a port. So something to think about when you're evaluating which cruise to book. Yes, indeed. There are so many factors to evaluate when booking any vacation, but especially on a cruise vacation. And Tamara, we're grateful for folks like yourself. You have so much great information over at we3travel.com. And today, you know, just getting walking us through those activities and the dining options and those, those hidden costs, of course, we really appreciate you shedding some light on that. So once again, I want you to head over to please head over to we3travel.com. There's plenty more information about the Norwegian bliss and so, so, so much more from many, many years of travel. Uh, Tamara Gruber, really appreciate you taking some time once again on Family Travel Radio. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, all right. I hope you enjoyed this this double dip, these two little short and sweet episodes about our friends over at Norwegian Cruise Line. The notes for both of these episodes and the notes for every episode of Family Travel Radio are always available over at familytravel.org slash radio. Gonna see you next week. Until then, though, this is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio, and I am signing off. <laughs>